0: Listeners, welcome to the Avocado Gamescast, the Avocados Gaming Podcast. This is our 21st episode. That's right, the Gamescast can now legally drink in the United States. Today we're going to be talking about the games we'd bring with us if we had to be stranded on a deserted island for whatever reason. Uh, But before we get to that, let's do some introductions. I'm Merv, and here are the people who are joining me today. First up, she takes her martinis just like Bruce Wayne. But secretly, her favorite cocktail is a dark and stormy. It's Admirax. It's
1: like I'm stirred, not shaken.
0: <laughs> That's the way to do it. Next, he wants in on the investigation team's King's Game. Too bad they're all teenagers. It's Lord Stoneheart. Hello. And finally, don't tell anyone, but his alcoholic beverage of choice is Kachi Kamizake. It's Otaku to Mike. Nice to finally be back, though with
2: my luck, I fully expect to be struck by lightning before this podcast is done.
0: <laughs> yeah, there is... A- <laughs> There is this uh, new trend of indoor uh, thunderstorms that's been happening. It, especially since it's bright and sunny too, so it's going to be purely act of God spite on me here. <laughs> yeah, speaking of uh, speaking of spite, how are you guys doing?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling pretty spiteful today.
0: <laughs> feeling pretty spiteful? Great. Uh, well, let's talk about some video games, because apparently that's what we're here to talk about today um video games and alcohol because this is the 21st episode uh what have you guys Woo! been playing and or drinking
2: <laughs> have any of us even been drinking anything from the sound of stuff i think we're all teetotalers here
1: yeah oh, no no no, uh, no, uh, no 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 no. i make up I, for all of you
3: I, I i think i think sometimes uh not lately <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah no I, I, I'm actually a teetotaler, so I was writing out the intro for this episode, I was like, I had to look up what, what everything was. Like, I didn't know it was <laughs> in a dark and stormy, despite the fact that I drink a lot of ginger beer. <laughs>
1: don't uh, worry, guys. I'm I'm drinking for four.
0: Awesome. <laughs> um. So, what have you guys been playing? Uh, Stoneheart, why don't you tell us what you've been playing recently?
3: Okay, so I've been. Um I've been meaning to make uh make progress in uh um in Mass Effect Andromeda uh since it was like a game I was waiting for like all year and um and it's a little it's been slow progress because I haven't been enjoying it as much as I thought I would. So mostly I've been playing rock band four uh by myself because I'm an exciting person like that. Like <laughs>
0: all the instruments at once
3: <laughs> Um no, I've, I've seen somebody there. do that. <laughs> Oh wow! I'm not quite that talented, um, either. There's just a little plastic guitar by itself, or, um, or what I'm sure. Uh, what I'm sure is probably a concern for the rest of my roommates. Uh, there's me singing.
0: <laughs> well, as long as you're entertaining yourself, I think it's fine to to play by yourself, because that's how you get good, right? When you see like four people playing Rock Band who've actually practiced a lot, then. Uh, it's actually kind of entertaining to watch
1: Oh, yeah, it really is
2: Although if you are doing this as a twenty first podcast, rock band is a game that's much improved by the consumption of alcohol with it <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, because then other people's thinking actually starts to sound good <laughs> <laughs> yeah so... then i don't
1: I don't feel so bad about not being able to play those plastic drums.
0: Oh I'm so bad at the at the drums. The only instrument I can play in is the guitar, and I get really like I can sing decently in to- like I don't have a good singing voice. So I can sing decently in tune, but somehow the combination of the the plastic guitar wailing and and the drum smacking just makes me completely unable to sing songs when I whenever I play that game. It's pretty
1: bad. <laughs> it's, it inspires a fight or flight response.
0: Yeah, I get nervous. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm in front of my friends. Why am I screwing this up? So, Rock Band's that oh. you've been playing. Uh, how, do you, like, ever beat the game
3: or how does it work exactly? So, okay, so the only, uh, the only other, like, um, well, the only other, like, classic guitar game I've played before is, like, the Xbox 360 version of uh, Guitar Hero 2. Um, So, it's different, like, the career mode different from that like the, in the uh, in the career mode you just sort of uh play through um like the, the set uh the set list uh uh that either the game puts the either the game like randomly generates it or, or or you like I guess you're supposed to vote on it but since I'm the only person there it's essentially I pick from like a list of options um but, uh,
0: so it's like you're kind of going on a virtual concert tour.
3: Yeah, yeah. So it's like you're going on a virtual concert tour, and if you, uh, if you beat a song, then you like get scored, then you from like, well, you from like one to five stars on it. Uh, I think if you beat it, you automatically to beat it, you have to get three stars. Um, and uh, so like if you if you fail a song, like, it, it just keeps on going, just uh, showing that you got like no stars for that, uh, uh, no stars for that song. Um, and in the end, uh, you have to. Like you have to you
0: have to reach a certain amount of
3: stars to be able to unlock
0: like the next tour. Okay. So, so it keeps building.
3: You know what that reminds me
0: of? Having to having to get near perfect to uh to proceed? It's like racing games where you have to keep arriving in first. Like well, arriving I, in second isn't good enough. I think with Rock then you don't have to get near perfect because I did
2: see somebody out of pure boredom, trying three-star every single song, which means you can't actually get any combo built up. So you can beat the song without ever actually getting a combo going as long as you are very, very precise about when you fail notes. Okay. <laughs> it was yeah. the silliest record I ever saw somebody go for.
1: <laughs> Deliberate failure, that's an interesting tactic.
2: Well, he There's... was passing. He was passing by the barest minimum, though. It was how low a score could you get while passing every song? <laughs>
0: deliberate oh,
2: failure. Oh, so,
1: like me in college.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so deliberate failure. There's actually a really interesting this instance of this in a video game. Uh, there's a side mission in Sleeping Dogs where they have a karaoke minigame, which is essentially uh, a rhythm game. And you're asked to make somebody look good on their date. So you make them look good by sucking at karaoke in comparison. <laughs> so you have to intentionally fail at karaoke
1: (laughs) that's great the wingman mission yeah it
0: sounds like they they recorded like bad singing for this so they recorded like in tune but slightly off key singing and they recorded bad singing for this and the bad singing is so hilariously like well done (laughs) Um, so I, I highly recommend playing that mission if you ever play that game Um uh, mike what have you been playing well i just
2: finally dragged myself away from total war warhammer which is uh, according to steam consumed about 160 hours uh, over the last couple months so i finally got into zelda breath of the wild which yeah i know i'm getting to it a little bit late but again total war warhammer it's all it's basically civilization to me. It's I get stuck into one-more-turn syndrome on that game. So not terribly far in Zelda yet, but
0: I'm loving what I've hit so far. So I, I know we've talked about this on the podcast before uh, when you weren't on. So Breath of the Wild is taking an open-world approach, which previous entries in the Zelda franchise were usually kind of entered the – they used interconnected areas more than they used, like, this big Skyrim-esque, fast-open world. How's that approach working out for you? Well, like I said, I am I only just got to
2: the second village, so I'm still pretty early into it. So I haven't really either hit that wall of, wow, there's so much space to go through versus knowing where to go next. It's working... I'm liking it, um, compared to most open-world games, unlike... Might of Magic, your Elder Scrolls, where stuff is still very segmented. It's such an um, open world without any loading screens. You never really feel it as being open. You can just wander freely and explore, which is great in my opinion.
0: And I guess I guess you're sort of rewarded for, for striking off the beaten path sometimes. Like you discover secrets yeah, the,
2: and stuff. the shrines are everywhere.
0: I climbed around a random mountain and found a shrine up there. <laughs> I do like that when video games sort of reward exploration. I like when video games reward my screwing around. Because I yeah. just screw around a lot in video games. Like, <laughs> if, if there's a marker telling me to go right, I'll always go left. Because um, I just assume, <laughs> I've been trained by years of playing video games to assume that going left has concealed some sort of secret from me. Right. Well, so I'm, I'm gonna
2: go left. I've been, I'll be going up a path, and I'll see a slight indent on a hill to the side. I'm like, oh, that must be a secret path. I gotta go explore an entire mountain now, because who knows what that was supposed to be keying me off to? Takes me forever to get where I'm supposed to be going because of that.
1: Yeah, I love in certain certain games where you get punished for doing that sort of thing, like in <laughs> Fallout New Vegas, where if you uh, try to route around the path that you normally take to the city you'll just encounter Death Claws. And they're, like, super
0: high
2: levels, so you can't take them down.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: The the original Zelda, um, in Death Mountain, if you tried to explore too much, you could get stuck in an unescapable part of the dungeon. Like, half the dungeon, if you went into it, you could not get out without dying, and it wouldn't
0: take you to get it. It was... That dungeon was a weird maze. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, old video games could be punishing in that regard. Um... There's some games, there where you st- if you stray too far with the beaten path. Um uh, Nero is really funny about this cuz what it would do sometimes in crucial story moments if you refused to obey what the what the game was telling you to do, it would just roll the credits. It'd be like, "You unlocked a secret ending." And it would, uh roll the credits for you just being an idiot. Which I thought was, <laughs> was pretty funny. They managed to they managed to turn it into a game sort of in itself cuz you can like there are like 26 endings to unlock and you just found one of the joke endings. Um, yeah, so that's Zelda. I'm Rox. I, I know you mentioned that you haven't played that many video games recently, but uh, is there any game that you've recently <laughs> played that you'd like to to mention?
1: Um, so I did go through uh so here in Seattle, this winter was particularly brutal. So um, I played Firewatch for the first time, oh wow. yeah. and that and game. that was that was a wonderful relief because it was like being out in the sun. And you got to wander through the woods. Um, so I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And then it, got to and then it started trails, getting all... Yeah, mm-hmm. Watching marriage yeah,
0: collapse, sort of.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yell at teenagers. It was everything I wanted. Um, yeah. And then the the paranoid element started kicking in. And I said, why am I doing this to myself? I just wanted to be out in the sunshine. And now here I am experiencing some kind of existential dread. Um, so it's kind of like real life, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, it is It is a game where the emotions of the characters definitely felt true to life in a way you don't normally see in games. Mm-hmm. And I think that part of that's down to the vocal performances in that game being excellent.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oh. and speaking of open world, like um, Firewatch was actually a relatively closed world with a pretty small map, but it felt open world like I, I had i enjoyed exploring and kind of just listening to the music and the scenery it was it was very meditative in a way
0: yeah it's a game where you can definitely take your time and it, mm-hmm. it kind of encourages you to get encourages you to get lost like you don't like you take out your map and you orienteer to get to your destination but you don't have to follow the the most obvious route you can mm-hmm. take detours which I really appreciated when I played that game.
1: Yeah, and they wanted you to appreciate the scenery like with uh, the camera they gave you. I thought for sure that was going to play into the game somehow later on. So I saved all my photos. I didn't take any photos. And it turns out, I hope this isn't a spoiler, but at the end it's just all the photos you took are just a montage over the credits. So I just had black photo, black photo, black photo.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The other neat thing they do is um you can actually uh what what pops up at the end is the photos you took with your in game camera. there's a function within the game to send them off to Campo Santo for a fee and get them developed as like Polaroids or something like that,
1: oh, okay, interesting,
0: yeah, I think that that might only pop up if you actually take a photo
1: yeah <laughs> uh,
0: but it uh, yeah. do you
1: want to print out nothing <laughs>
0: Yeah, so I thought I thought that was a neat thing that they did, um, but I, I didn't use the service because I wanted, I liked my big full size uh, screenshots. I don't want my my little Polaroid prints. Hmm. But yeah, definitely a really pretty game too. Like the stuff they do oh, yeah. with lighting is is incredible.
1: Yeah, the lighting and um, kind of the way that as the fire is developing, the the smoke. Uh, elements that they play uh, as you're walking through certain parts of the map where it gets hazy like the field of vision starts to uh, shorten
0: yeah you definitely um how put this definitely what they've done with with special effects especially coming from from an indie studio um Mm -hmm. they they developed a lot of this stuff in-house so they're doing like there's somebody there who is very good at math <laughs> 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 to develop uh, the way it, what they developed there all right, so uh briefly to mention what I've been playing um, I'm surprised nobody's mentioned Persona Five, but I'm sure lots of other people are on the web are talking about Persona five, so I don't know why I should talk about that, or the other game which I've been playing which is ukulele um. <laughs> So
1: I I vote ukulele.
0: All right, let me talk about ukulele because I think everybody on the internet is talking about Persona 5 in some capacity, and talking about Persona 5 is hard without going into spoiler territory. Um, so ukulele. For those of you who don't know, it's a it's a platformer that was kickstarted a few years ago, uh, in the vein of the old rare style platformers so your banjos your conkers, your dk64s um so not more like the super mario 64 kind of platformer uh there was a throwback to that earlier this year called poi and it was not very good so (laughs) i didn't have super high hopes for ukulele and then the reviews started coming in uh saying this game is kind of terrible but i've been playing it and you know what I actually think the reviews are unduly harsh. I think it's, from what I've played so far, pretty good. Uh, the platforming mechanics are tight. Um, it, like The aesthetic is wonderfully cartoony, just like the old Rare-style games that you played when you were five years old. Um, <laughs> hey, hey, we're not all as young as you.
2: <laughs> Some of us were playing Donkey Kong Country when we were teenagers when it came out. <laughs> All right. Well,
0: I sh- I can't even say what I was playing when I was 5 when I was 5 years old cuz the Nintendo 64 came out when I was 6. Um <laughs> so I just lied uh about my age. Anyway, um in any case, uh when I was a kid like playing DK 64 or whatever at a friend's place, uh that's it, it'll bring back that feeling for sure. Um, so it's not amazing. It has some infuriating difficulty spikes, just like the, the old rare games. Um, some of the some of the mini games that are in there have not so great controls. sometimes the camera's a little bit annoying, but generally, I think it's a pretty good it's a pretty good uh, take on the, uh, on the platformer genre, and it's essentially what you'd expect from a rare style platformer. So, I'm not disappointed in it yet. It definitely has a problem with, you know, telling you what you need to do next. It's so open-ended that it's unclear how to proceed sometimes. And I'm in one of those situations right now.
1: So it really is don't... like an N64 game.
0: Yeah, like sometimes you just don't know what the next step to take is. Um but yeah, like I'm not telling you to rush out and go buy this game, but yeah, it's not bad. I'm I'm enjoying it.
2: So like the the gameological review seemed to have its biggest gripe being having to backtrack constantly into areas you'd beat before. Have you run into that yet?
0: You have to do that, but I don't see that as a negative. Like you have to you have to, like you have you backtrack a lot in this game. Like you keep jumping back and forth between You could, if you wanted to, stay in the same world for a very long time and try to collect all the The stars or bananas which in this game are called pages Um, you could try to stay in a world for a long time and collect all of them and then move on to the next world Um, and then come back to it only once you could do it that way but it's more it's more fun I think and less infuriating if you do what you can at any point in time then when you get frustrated with the challenges in one world move to the other world and then move to the next world and do what you can each time. Otherwise, I think um, you're going to get frustrated. So it's not a game. It's not a game for people who say hate Metroidvanias, where you know you unlock an ability somewhere else in the map and that allows you to go back to an earlier portion on the map and unlock something else. Um, but if you don't mind backtracking, I don't see it as a negative. Okay, that that, rem- um,
3: that reminds me of. The which orig- um that sounds a lot like the original Banjo-Kazooie where um in that world uh, in that game the the things that you have to stop and things they had to collect were called uh, like, jigsaw pieces yeah um and but each world each world had ten of them and if you wanted to you could get all ten in each world before moving on to the next one but you didn't have to but like um like each. Um, to unlock each next world, you'd have to uh, you'd have to have a certain amount of jigsaw pieces, and I think eventually it started it started to get to it. You would need more than ten to uh, more than ten to like unlock the uh, uh, to unlock next world. So like if you didn't um, if you hadn't then like build up like a a good uh, a good bunch of it. Sometimes you'd have to backtrack. Yeah. Um, and like I, I like that system. And, uh, then uh, in the sequel, uh Banjo tooie the world started to get even bigger and also they started to get interconnected. Like so like uh some, like the, like the first time going through the first world you would not be able to get all ten jigsaw pieces. You'd have to wait until you got to like the fifth world or so. And that really frustrated me. That kind of backtracking.
0: Yeah, I mean I think a little bit of backtracking is good in, in in these kinds of games. Like, say, even Super Mario 64 had this kind of backtracking. Tra- like, there's some things, there's some stars you can't get in the first castle, or sorry, the first world, uh, without the wing cap, and you lo- unlock the wing cap partway through that game. Um, so, I think it depends sort of on how extreme the backtracking is. Like, do you have to unlock eight worlds before you can go back to the first and unlock the second? Uh, Star or Banana or Jakey or what have you, um, that might be frustrating. So I think it's it's a matter of degrees, and I think my tolerance for this sort of stuff is slightly higher than a lot of people's. But if your tolerance for backtracking is low, then you might want to steer clear of the ukulele. All right, so I guess that's what we've been <laughs> playing. Um, let's move on to the main topic of discussion for this episode. Um. Now, there are a lot of questions about video games that we could tackle, a lot of important questions. Today we're going to tackle a not-so-important question, but a question that's always fun to ask because um, it uh, results in a little bit more reflection than you might think. So, let me just ask you guys the classic question. You're You're stranded on a deserted island. You can only bring one video game with you. Which video game do you bring and why? (laughs)
1: so this is assuming this deserted island has electricity and some kind of television or possibly a pc setup
0: yeah this is a deserted island where imagine like i don't know uh the the governor of whatever state you're living in comes up to you one day and he's just like uh yo admrax (laughs) <laughs> You're being sent to live on a deserted island with a PC. You can only bring one video game with you. Um, what's it going to be?
1: Oh, I was envisioning like a Gilligan's Island sort of scenario where we have some kind of generator made entirely out of coconuts.
0: <laughs> well, in this case, the coconut generator is government provided. Um, so... I think I might trust the coconuts more than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, well... Any case, what are you going to bring?
1: <laughs> for for me, it was uh, I thought about this for a little while. Um, I I think Red Dead Redemption. Oh. Um, um, how come? So it's it's I thought about a lot of open world games, and um, I like the Fallout games, but I feel like there's only you know at a certain point the game does kind of steer you back to the mission. Or the, uh, you know, the main quest. Um, yeah. Whereas with Red Dead Redemption, it's it's kind of just, it's like GTA almost, where it's more like a series of unrelated quests. And I feel like the combination of getting to explore all these really scenic uh, areas, uh, the kind of cool Western feel that I haven't experienced in a lot of other video games um, it was very relaxing, I found, uh, just riding around in the desert on whatever horse you just stole. <laughs> um, I I enjoyed it. I, th- I thought it had a lot of uh, potential for if you wanted to explore, that's cool. If you want to go help this damsel in distress, that's cool. If you want to get into a gunfight, um, it, it gave you a lot of leeway, I felt.
2: See, for me, I, I was going more for the, the replayability, which gave me an easy answer here, because the last couple of years of high school, first couple of years of college, I only played Heroes of Might and Magic 3 and 4. Especially, um, like, my first summer after college, there's nothing but Heroes 4 all summer long. <laughs> which, if I'm going to be on a deserted island, I want something I know is going to last. Heroes 3 and 4, when you have the uh, full scenario packs from the their expansions, you got so many maps that take so many hours. You can be playing them for months, and you'll never repeat anything, and it'll be a good time killer.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, imagine I can imagine like replayability being being a huge factor for me as well. Because there there are a lot of games that I love that are you know, like linear twelve hour experiences, and that's not going to pass the time on a deserted island. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about games that I could just replay forever and ever and ever, and for me that game was Roller Coaster Tycoon
1: Oh, I love Roller Coaster Tycoon
0: Right, because I've, I can't tell you how many times I've played the first four or five scenarios in that game uh, because like, every single time I build a slightly different park uh, with slightly different rides, I always you know go in by hand and make a new coaster design every time I play it um, and every time I feel like I'm discovering something new about, uh, how to build a good ride or how to organize a great park or how to, you know, set up my attractions in a, in a cool way. So for me, so how that, long,
1: sorry, how long do you think it would take you before you built islands and dropped unhappy customers on those tiny little islands?
0: Oh, you know what I would do is anytime. Here's here's a a, like sort of a a cheap trick to use in roller coaster tycoon. Um, If you see if your park safety rating is high enough and you just have a bunch of unhappy guests, drowning those unhappy guests makes your park rating go up.
1: Oh, yeah, I've done I've done that a few times.
0: So what I do in every single one of my parks, because I'm a a cruel, horrible person, is if the park has water great That's already a lake for for picking up guests and drowning them if it doesn't have water <laughs> i make a special drowning pit where i <laughs> s- where i send the unhappy guests
1: come for the roller coaster stay for the drowning pit
0: <laughs> pretty much like i, I fence <laughs> it off and everything and put a path around it so um so customers can watch i guess if they want to but they're not programmed to like sit and stare unfortunately which would make it amazing if I could turn this into an attraction
2: somehow. Um, <laughs> it's a shame you can't build a Thunder Dome in the middle and make him fight it
0: out. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be amazing, like gladiatorial combat
1: at my amusement park. I would so be there. Um, what What's really fun to do is to make drinks free and then make bathrooms like ten dollars.
0: <laughs> oh, I always made my. I always charge for bathrooms when I play the game. <laughs> Which I know is a really British thing to do, but the game is British, so that makes sense. Um, so it's like <laughs> I always charge at least you know forty fifty cents for a bathroom visit. And here's the thing: um, a, it makes you money. b uh like they have to use it, right? If mm-hmm. somebody, you can't just not go to the bathroom, so you're basically getting <laughs> guaranteed cash from your your customers.
1: Somebody at Disney World headquarters is saying this exact same thing right now.
0: Yeah, probably. Like,
1: the thing is, <laughs>
2: so, charging so the for game bath- is programmed to have them just uh, peeing on the
0: side of the walls or anything? I think the game is programmed to, if they really need to go to the bathroom, they just hold it in and get, and it's too expensive, they hold it in and get angrier and angrier and angrier and then leave your bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like, charging for bathrooms is really not, like, an American thing. I've never ever had to pay to use a bathroom anywhere in the United States, but anytime I've traveled in the UK, like every public bathroom charges. Like,
1: do they really, did they do that out there? Do.
0: A lot of them in the, in the big city centers, they do. If you go out to the sticks, then public bathrooms tend not to charge. But if you're in London, like it's 30 cents to use the 30 pence to use the bathroom.
1: That's shocking. How do they, how did, how do they prevent people from just peeing willy nilly? Um, I don't know.
2: The classic British restraint. <laughs>
0: I'm guessing <laughs>
2: that's what it is.
1: Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a wild guess here and say that if you lean on a public wall in London, you're leaning on a pee wall.
0: Yeah, definitely some neighborhoods where you probably don't want to be touching the street lamps. Um, <laughs> in any case the other thing I do with bathrooms in that game because I'm five years old is I give my my bathrooms names like you can name your rides anything in that game right so I always name them something ridiculous like fecal fantasy or urinary utopia <laughs> yeah I definitely I could amuse myself for, for hours if I if you just let me rename my rides I'm very easily amused so that's why I bring roller coaster taekw with me Stoneheart, what would you bring
3: with you to a deserted island? Um okay, so uh my my se- uh my second choice because my uh my 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 first choice would be uh I mean you already talked about locals like, attack uh tycoon. My All right, high five different, uh, but my, I'm gonna to talk about my second choice instead. Um I have this one uh uh a game uh called the, uh the genre is called The ro like uh, roguelike. Um, yeah. in the game I uh, have uh, it, it's called uh, uh, Tales of Maze I've um, heard of
0: this but I don't know much about it
3: yeah so at, at, um, I, I'll just call it Tome, uh, Tome from right now it used, to be, uh, it used to be called Tales of Middle Earth until it got a cease and desist back in like the late 90s I think <laughs> um, and then like it, it sort of reinvented its, uh, it reinvented itself as a complete, like, uh, completely different uh, game uh, so it, it it's sort of a, um it's sort of like a standard uh uh fan, uh, uh fantasy set um at, at, at first glance, and uh it also has some of the standard conven- um, some of the standard conventions of a roguelike. Uh, of a like well uh, such as, as well but so usually with roguelikes, road, uh, you only have uh, one life for your character. Um, yeah. In this game, the standard setting is that you you start off with uh, you start off with two lives, uh, two lives, and then as you level up, you uh, you accumulate more lives, and it maxes it, it maxes out at like seven for a given playthrough. Um, so I, I, I uh so I actually I like it a bit more than uh, uh other roguelike games I played. Like uh, I like it better than NetHack because I I, I find that, like, that, that allows for error. Like, it's, it's still, uh... It encourages a bit of uh, experimentation. You can't really let yourself die, but, like, there's some wiggle room.
0: Right. So, you could take a little bit of risk, whereas I know I don't play that many roguelikes, because taking even a little bit of risk for me in them is agonizing, because I could lose, you know, an hour of progress. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's an interesting approach. So for you does there a lot of replayability or, or are you bringing it along cuz it has lengthy play sessions or what, what appeals to you in terms of being so isolated that, with that
3: game? Uh, the thing that appeals to me most is uh, uh, so even with the multi lives, uh, I'm not the best at uh, I'm not the best at it, so like if, um, with the exception of a few classes um, that I play as more, uh, more likely as not, my character's gonna die. Um, but where, the, where I still find like the replayability kicks in is that uh, uh, that there's a very good range of classes that to choose from, and they for the most part they they all have a nice distinct feel from each other. And so you, uh, and there's also a, oh,
0: so you can get good with one character and then get good with another. Yeah, is what you're saying. Okay, so there is that replayability, like to get to play all these different character
3: classes. Yeah, so um, and uh, the other thing that's uh, appealing to me is um, there's a lot of uh, unlockables, and and so like when you first when you first start off, I think I think there's like I want to say five or six classes you can uh, you can pick uh, pick from. And they're organized by uh, they're organized what by, by what the game calls a meta class. And so the three starting meta classes are uh, basically your your fighter rogue mage. Um so that's very standard stuff. But uh as you play uh as you play more and more you can uh, uh if you fulfill certain conditions you can unlock other classes. Um and so some of uh, uh some uh some of them are also sort of your standard stuff. Uh such as like a sort of like a the uh, summoner uh, like a summoner class. Um, the uh, sorry, blanket for a second. If uh, some different types of some different types of mages, like you can get, uh, you can become a necromancer. Um, okay, so you can you can unlock some variety. It's not
0: just you're you're locked into like the standard classes.
3: Yeah, and so with and with variety, I think it's cool. Some of the harder to unlock classes. Uh, like for me, they kind of feel unique from even even other games, such as uh, uh, there's one. Uh, this one class called a uh, paradox mage, um, which is all about like uh, manip- uh manipulating time and uh, time and space, and uh, in order to uh, kill your enemies and such. Um, and then there's uh, one of my favorite classes that I feel like I'm gonna pronounce wrong. It's called a uh, uh, solipsis. Um, and it's, it's this type of, it's this type of cast, uh, that, the, uh, the overriding thing is, uh, So
0: the doesn't think that it's the only, like solipsism is thinking that it's like thinking you're the you're only the thing o- that exists. You're the only
3: thing that's real. Yeah. So, uh, so what the whole conceit behind the classes is that, uh, you have, you have your health, you have your health meter as normal, and then you have a psi meter, which, uh, you can use, uh, you use for your psychic powers. And because of uh, because you're a solipsist, when you take damage, a good chunk of it uh, a good chunk of it can uh, hit your psi meter instead of uh, instead of your health meter. So it affects your, you your don't, cognition you don't see that you're. That thing actually happen. Okay, so you're like, this
0: can't be happening because I'm the only thing that's real. Um, so it attacks your psi meter first, and then eventually it changes your your cognition on that subject. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, so we've got a good variety of games that we we bring with us to to desert island, but it seems that we're we're concerned with like open ended games or games that have a lot of replayability. Um, now, how would this question change if you were say stranded with another person? Would you still want to bring the same game?
2: In my case,
0: yes, because heroes like Civ and Total War,
2: you can do multiplayer, and I haven't done a hot seat heroes game since I was a teenager because they take forever. And, like, Civ and Total War, you can do multiplayer campaigns, but do you really have friends who are going to sit down for a 100-hour campaign with you? If you're on a deserted island, yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> they ain't going
0: nowhere. <laughs> right, so as long as you your friends in, then it seems like it's something you could, uh, you could finally actually do. It seems yep. like the game was, like, designed for, for Geek Stranding on a Desert Island because the only scenario in which anybody's going to sit down for 100 hours and play... Uh, Here's my magic, for that well, long. Well,
2: I mean, it, with multiplayer, yeah, I mean, you like can play the single-player campaigns. It's just it, it's got multiplayer aspects. I don't use much of. It, it works great in um, when as a kid though, because the hot seat function. It's one person played at a time, so the rest of us played Magic the Gathering while whoever's was turn was up was playing Heroes because we were nerds. <laughs>
0: See that's that sounds fun. It sounds like you you actually found a way to you found a way to kill two birds with one stone. Yep. Kids are kids are nothing if not clever in finding ways to maximize their fun. <laughs> yeah. So um, for me, the other game that I, that I'd bring if I if I were allowed to bring a game uh, a different game if I was trying it with another person, I'd bring some like w- like one of the worms games, like Worms Two. Because um, that game has like endless customizability for for combat options. Uh, for those of you who don't who aren't familiar with the Worms franchise, it's an artillery game where uh, teams of ad- adorable-looking worms shoot each other with crazy cartoon weapons and try to destroy the other team. Uh, so I bring Worms too because that's the one with which I'm most familiar, and. Uh, it's so customizable. Like you can create, uh, you can create custom terrains. There's so many different uh, different ways you can customize the game mode. Uh, you can customize the weapon set. You can even customize individual weapons. You could uh, you could come up with different combinations for hours and hours and hours of gameplay. Um, so or Stoneheart, would any of you would you want to stick to single player, even if you had? Uh, if you, even if you were stranded with another person,
1: no, I think if I uh, if I were stranded with another person, it would depend on who this other person was. But um, the first thing that popped into my mind uh, was Portal Two.
0: Oh, the co-op in Portal Two. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, um, I think I think that would be uh, that would be fun for replayability, just to see if you could uh, solve the puzzles in different ways. Um,
0: well, now they have um, they opened up portal for custom design single player levels now they also have uh custom design multiplayer levels so oh, you perfect. Pl- yeah so assuming this desert island has internet access um <laughs> you could just play for forever pretty
1: yeah we much. have a coconut router yeah <laughs> uh so yeah that sounds that sounds like fun and i think it's just because i haven't played any of the portal games in a while and i've been uh, hankering to play those again so i don't know maybe in reality i'd get sick of them but uh i think this would be a fun one
0: yeah, I, th- I think there's a lot of enjoyment to be had in in solving puzzles with uh, with somebody else because uh, I don't know. It always feels like it 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 feels like such a great team building exercise. Having gone through Portal Two co op myself with with a couple of friends, felt like it brought me closer to people, even though they were in a, in another city far away from me. Sweet. Um, yeah, it's nice. I I played it with a co- with a couple of old college buddies, and we used to. Like, my social life in college consisted of every weekend getting together with uh, a bunch of my friends and ordering junk food and playing video games for, like, five hours on a Friday night. (laughs) That was, like, that was my entire college social life every weekend. Um, And so with that group of people now, we all live in different cities. The only way we, we keep in contact is through video games. So every few months we get together for a little bit and play some some dumb games we don't even enjoy that much on multiplayer and it's like skype with guns <laughs> so it's definitely it definitely feels like for me playing uh a game like portal and co-op makes me feel closer with uh, with other people also yeah. a good a good bonding exercise if you're stranded with a total stranger assuming this total stranger is friendly. Um, I think it would be a good bonding exercise to play some, like, uh, Portal 2 co-op or, or any, like, co-op game.
1: I think the thing about Portal 2 specifically, though, is um, it could get really frustrating if uh, the other person isn't, like, kind of following the mechanics of the game. I tried to play it with my sister one time, and she's just not a video game person. Like, for whatever reason, her brain does not work in kind of, like, a first-person mode.
0: Yeah. So
1: trying to play Portal 2 with her was um, it was a little bit on the frustrating side.
0: Yeah, I can try to imagine playing with my sister, who's not big into video games. Like, she will play a couple of mobile games, but she's not a like a video game person. If I mm-hmm. tried to show her Portal, it would just probably break her brain. And she's a relatively <laughs> intelligent person, uh, but <laughs> yeah, it, it would just not. It's just not something she's used to doing. Like if I show if I show a video game to my parents, they'll just like freak out. They don't yeah. know how to deal with it. Um, so yeah. I think we've absorbed so much of the language of video games, like especially if you play a lot of them, that things that seem like second nature to you, you show them like hand somebody a controller who's never played a video game before and ask them to, to move around in, in first person or, or even third person. And they'll just have no idea what to do.
1: Oh, yeah. And and I found that um, there was someone I used to play with who we'd you'd play games back and forth and he would switch the... Uh, the controls to be inverted. And so when you hand the controller back to me, I felt was like, it was like I suddenly didn't know how to walk again. It's See, it's amazing I, how much that throws you off.
0: Yeah. I'm actually one of those crazy invert people. Um, I'm actually even crazier in that I, when I do the camera invert, I don't invert horizontal, but I invert vertical.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Yeah. So I, so- I, So do like flight controls. Yeah, I do flight controls when I do third person. First person, I want generally regular controls, but third person, I almost always do flight controls. Um, I don't know why I'm so used to it or why doing it the other way feels uh, feels wrong to me. Um, The only exception is Uncharted, where I use regular controls because there's a lot of shooting in that game. Uh, But yeah, otherwise, I'm an invert person. It's... And people think I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, if I if I got stranded with another person, we were, we we're passing the passing back and forth. That might be an issue. <laughs> uh, Stoneheart, would you want to play any multiplayer games if you were stranded with other people?
3: Um, yes. I, I, uh, we, um when Ed Max uh, brought to uh, Two, and you said how uh, if brought you closer together with your friends, I was just uh, I was thinking about how when me and my brother tried to play co-op, I I don't. I don't think it brought us closer together unless you count, like, him pack on me. Um, so even though we're, we're both video game people, but, like, we get frustrated easily, um, especially with each other. Uh, so I, I guess my... If if I was stuck with one other person, I guess I would go for a scenario where um, I had one version of a, uh, I had one version of a Pokemon game, and the other person had the other version. So we... Be able to trade and battle and such.
0: Right. So you'd get. Would you go like old school, like Pokemon Red and Blue, or would you go new school, like Pokemon X and Y?
3: Um. It. I guess it would depend on the. It would depend on the person I was stranded with. Um. If it was my. Uh, if it was my one of my older brothers who uh, the one who played played Portal, played Portal Two with me. Uh, we would probably go red, uh, red and blue. Um, actually, we—Golden Silver was the last one he played, so uh, Golden Silver then. Um, if it was one, um, oh, uh, okay. I hope I'm not stuck uh, stuck on Australia Island with my axe up. If 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 it was someone, <laughs> uh, uh, if it was someone, uh, I talk about video games a lot with on the. Uh, on uh, the avocado. It, I would probably go uh, sun and moon. Um, if it was a complete stranger, I if it's a complete stranger, I probably go with uh, black and white.
0: it's interesting. Um, you say black and white for a complete stranger. Uh, why is that? Is it the most welcoming to Pokemon newbies, or is there something else interesting
3: about uh, it? Well, I think okay. I, I feel like the new ones might be the most welcoming. I, I, uh, I, I think the D. Uh, oh, since I haven't, uh, since I'll have to give myself a few more months before I form like the opinion of Son. Uh, I, I think the D, uh, uh I think the DS ones are probably my favorite, and I think with uh black, uh, black and white, or something like a soft reboot, I, I think it would make a good for a good starting point.
0: Okay, so, I mean, I don't know how much the Pokemon series builds up its lore across entries. Um, so, do they sort of reset things in Black and White?
3: Oh, well, it's just I, I think because of uh, uh, because of it. What they what they did was like until you beat the Elite Four, you can only really use like the 150 or so new Pokemon introduced in Black and White. Um, I, so I guess uh, it, it's. And it would be so. It's so some. Um, it's uh, less inti- I, I think of it as a less intimidating pool to choose from in terms of, uh, as opposed to like X and Y, where there's like 400 or something that you can get before the uh, before beating the game. Um, and also, uh, I guess the reason why I want to go with just the originals um, is because the uh, the originals just like the. Uh, the mechanics feel a little
0: outdated. So, yeah, I mean, my inclination would always be to give uh, to give a total stranger Pokemon Yellow, so they have like they know a total stranger doesn't know Pokemon knows Pikachu, right? So you give them the Pikachu as soon as possible.
2: <laughs> yeah, but, but Pikachu's not that good in the game. I stuck him in the nursery and forgot about him.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> but uh, Pikachu's an annoying little rodent, and he's an hey, asshole whoa, who whoa, should whoa. evolve I into Raichu.
1: I will not stand idly by while you guys bash Pikachu. All right, Did, did, you, you, play did you get this Pokeball and fucking? I did evolve, play Pokemon okay? Yellow. I was nine years old at the time, but I played Pokemon Yellow. He,
2: you get stuck with him for the Rock Gym,
1: and he's awful. No, I was I was nine years old. I was watching Pokemon. I loved Pikachu. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, it's, pro- it's like it starts a difficulty up really high right off the bat, right? Because like, like elect- lightning versus versus rock but i mean presumably you're going to catch like i don't know a water pokemon or or What's a glass on? pokemon along the way yeah
1: I, I think i had a i think i had a uh water pokemon for that first for that yeah, rock you should battle.
2: only have um reddit and uh pidgey and, before you get to the rock dungeon
1: oh yeah you only have bugs yeah. wouldn't you um, i think Butterfree with the, uh with my uh
3: because I think I think the Rock Gym didn't have like any like Rock move, so it just like Butterfree shows up and like hits everything with Confusion.
0: Ah, uh, wait. So you you grinded to to evolve like a Caterpie into a Butterfree before you hit Brock's Gym? Yeah, I. That, that does... That's dedication, man. <laughs> I, I think
2: I've done that too. Because depending on who you choose as your starter, Brock's Gym can uh can be kind of brutal just because you have no attacks
0: that will hurt them. <laughs> I think I I think when I played it, I started with the Squirtle. Well, uh, then I, there's yeah, that, that's the way to do it, right? <laughs> like, you don't you don't start with a freaking Charmander and get your ass handed to you, uh, on on the first gym. But I never made it past the first gym because I was playing on a friend's Game Boy, and then friend took away said Game Boy, so did not uh, did not make it past Brock, unfortunately. But yeah, so, um. Multiplayer, I think, sort of changes the landscape a bit, where you have, uh, where you sort of use the game games as a way to connect with other people. I think if I'm stranded with a large group of people, though, I'm probably bringing some like Super Smash Brothers, uh, where you can just like get a party going. Um, mm-hmm. Like Super Smash Bros. for me is a party game. That was the game that would break out at college parties when I went to them. That's the game that uh, my friends and I used to play on the weekends. I never got good at it. They were really good at it. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's the, uh, it's it's amazing to watch people who are really good at that game because that's not a game that you can just uh, spam buttons and win. You have to uh, really. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess you can, but when and whenever I tried that, I always got my ass handed to me.
0: Yeah, like there are people who know what they're doing, and they're not just pressing A and B alternately all, uh, at really high speeds. Um, but it's a game where you can sort of have fun, even if you're terrible. Especially if you play on like one of the ridiculous maps that's always changing shape or mm-hmm. blowing things mm-hmm. at you. And you play with ridiculous items, you have to put the hammer out there. I know people think the hammer's unfair. I think it's hilarious.
1: <laughs> and see, that's a game where it's fun to be- have Pikachu. Pikachu in a wizard hat is the best character Oh yeah, when you have
0: multiple Pikachus and then the Pikachus get the different hats. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) That's always fun. Um, What I like... I mean, the problem is there are always a group of people who are just like, yeah, we're going to play on Final Destination with no items. And you're just like, oh my god. And then somebody plays
2: as Little Mac and everybody throws him out a window.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's like... (laughs) Yeah, the the items are the fun part of that game. Right.
0: The fun part is just like using ridiculous items like fire flowers and revolvers and magic wands to mess with your <laughs> friends.
1: Yeah, it, always, it always cracks me up when Pikachu gets a gun.
0: <laughs> Does he shoot with
2: his mouth too? I think he holds it really weird. Uh, I think he, <laughs> he holds it in his tiny back.
1: little hands.
0: I I just love the image of Kirby with a revolver. <laughs> because <laughs> I love Puffball. Holding like an actual weapon just cracks me up so much. Um, yeah, so you can just have like endless fun with Super, Super Smash Brothers, and unlike Mario Party where the games could take forever and they feel unfair and you just want to smash everything by the time you reach the end, Super Smash Brothers like games over in six or seven minutes. You can just play another round. You keep switching switching people in and out. It's an ideal party game for me, I think.
1: Oh, yeah. now, see, I was going to say, uh, for this prompt, I was going to say Mario Party, uh, just because...
0: It has party in the name. <laughs> it has
1: party in the name. Um, and I feel like if you're on a desert island, you want something to last for a long time.
0: Right. I can so, see
1: that. Uh, yeah, and and the little mini-games, I think, kind of add a little something to it.
0: Yeah, I think there's... I think there's um, like, I'm thinking about how do I keep the party going on this desert island long enough <laughs> so that we we forget about the terrible state we're in. Um, but, yeah, that's, de- that's definitely another approach. And now, like, the new fashion that's, that seems to be coming out is people putting out YouTube videos of super long Mario Party games. Like, ter- cracking up the number of turns to 50 and just taking forever to complete oh them, like, four God. hours. And you yeah, watch no them thanks. slowly go crazy as they play Mario Party Um, (laughs) I don't know I don't have that much experience with Mario Party I remember being really bad at it and thinking that it was really stupid and not understanding any of the rules Um, but I think there's I think with people who are familiar with it it's definitely a way you can prolong uh, you can prolong the sense of fun before the anxiety and dread of being stranded on an island set in
2: yeah (laughs) see, nobody wants to bring something like Diplomacy. It's great. It takes forever, and by the end, you have uh, no more concerns, because everybody's killed each other. Quite (laughs) literally. (laughs) Is is Diplomacy like the video game version of Risk? Oh, Diplomacy's not a a video game. It's a tabletop game. But it's it's worse than Risk. Um, You will murder somebody before
0: the game is done. (laughs) See, I I have a friend who, we played a, a game of Risk about eight years ago, that any time I bring up Risk in front of him, he still brings up that one time that I refused to form an alliance with him. And, and that's, uh, <laughs> that's the beauty slash hatred of diplomacy, is
2: there's no dice rolling. Everything is decided by you negotiating with the other players, and then hoping they uh, hold up their end of the bargains. Because you all take your turn simo in secret, so you can make an alliance with somebody, only to find out they uh they're backstabbing you when you were weren't expecting them to. Hence why it's seven players and you won't have seven friends by the time the game is done.
0: (laughs) This sounds like, this sounds like a kind of game you'd play on like, see there's the Gilligan's Island route you could take with the island. And there's like the survivor route or the lost route. It sounds like you're going for the latter. You want maximum drama. Yeah. (laughs) I could just imagine like you are the Jeff Probst of this island instigating conflict among among the survivors (laughs) yeah i i definitely see how that would that would make things awkward and tense i mean theoretically you can beat
2: diplomacy if enough people form together an alliance and agree to all win together because it's based on controlling certain parts of the map and if you have enough of it you can declare yourselves winners but the, the setup for the game is um europe 1900 the run-up to world war one so it's it's made to feel drama made to feel people backstabbing one another and reneging on alliances
0: right so the way, way i've seen this is sort of like prisoner's dilemma right where if you cooperated you'd all be better off than if you all backstabbed each other but there's an incentive to backstab when everybody else is cooperating pretty much yeah okay yeah, I, I can see how that would that would result in some tension. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if you if you want if you want this to get nasty, go the tabletop route. That's for sure. I
2: mean, my um, real answer if I'm going the tabletop route is Pandemic Legacy, because there you have to cooperate. There's there's no single player win, and it you can play it repeatedly, and uh, the game keeps changing. <laughs> keeps getting better
0: <laughs> right so i've heard that's a game where you actually have to physically tear up cards and stuff
2: uh th- there's a couple cards you'll tear up you you're definitely sticking on um, stickers and the board and writing on it and you've got all uh, little character cards that uh you're putting stickers on and making permanent stuff affect them
0: yeah it sounds like the kind of I, I feel bad about defacing
1: things, so yeah. I almost be scared to play it. Yeah, same. I mean. Aren't those, aren't those games like $50? Uh,
2: 70 But it was on sale last week on uh, the AV Club's income deals for like
0: $35. Oh, yeah, 30. income disposal. I, yeah. I should probably pay attention to that.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it is expensive, but there is a story that develops over the course of playing it. So that's why you're kind of changing stuff is because the world is changing and depending on what you're doing depends on how bad the world is falling into these diseases. And when you get to the end of the story, it actually does rate you based on what you did. So there is kind of, you know, an incentive to do well. You can get the best
0: ending to the game. (laughs) Right, it's it's almost like they're bringing video game mechanics into the tabletop world, in terms of you know different endings that you get uh, for playing the game differently.
2: Well, it, it's a matter of um, just getting the best score, not letting the diseases uh, overrun everything. Which the best score ending is really hard to get. You have to be so lucky.
0: <laughs> right, there's a lot. There's a lot of luck in that game, as, as I understand it. Um, but I've actually never played Pandemic. I haven't played that many co op board games. I usually play competitive ones. Um, or I play board games where, like, one of my favorites is Betrayal of the House on the Hill, where you have, uh, where it's like many against one. Another one that's like that is Last Eye on Earth. Um, I like those kinds of board games a lot, but I've never played, like, I haven't played that many pure co-op board games, aside from Arkham Horror, which is a terrible game that nobody should play.
2: (laughs) Arkham Horror is fine once you get used to the rules. It's, the rules can sometimes be confusing. It's not like Mage Knight, which is um, a really, really long game with the most Byzantine rules ever. I've played it, like, five times, and I still don't think we've used all the mechanics in that game, (laughs)
0: Yeah, I I just some of these games, like especially co-op board games, they tend to have a, a problem of layering so many different mechanics, and having like ten different dice. That by the time you're done explaining the rules, you've already like exhausted your your entire play session, and you still don't understand all the rules until you've played it a, fu- a few times. I- so you sort of have to you sort of have to work at it until they become fun.
2: And that's the beauty of something like Dead of Winter which is a co-op game, but it has pretty streamlined rules and there's a chance somebody is a betrayer and acting on their own, but nobody knows for sure. So you get a little bit of that betrayal of the house on the Hill, but you don't know who you're supposed to be working against. So it complicates things without making it
0: obvious. Everybody's ganging up on one person. (laughs) Yeah. I like that kind of approach. Although like to bring us back to desert Island, I think when you start playing these kinds of games you're definitely going to run into issues with uh, with people because people, some people I play a lot of board games with people and sometimes like I play in a board game club and sometimes people take behaviors in these games really personally <laughs> like especially you play a game like uh, like say the more party oriented party oriented secret identity games like Werewolf for Secret Hitler um, yes for those of you who aren't in the know there is a board game called Secret Hitler um <laughs> yeah, when when people play those games poorly or betray people or refuse to play the way other people want to play, feelings get hurt really fast.
1: Yeah, yeah people get very touchy around werewolf.
2: Yeah, it's yeah. not like we've got a werewolf <laughs> club running on the avocado or anything
0: that causes no end of tension yeah definitely werewolf is is not a game that you want to not a game that you want to play if you want everybody to cooperate and live peacefully together on on said island um now let's say you're stranded on this island for like i don't know a decade and then you're finally rescued by let's say mo um <laughs> <laughs> Are you are you still going to want to play the game that you brought with you?
1: Uh, I can't imagine that I would, no.
0: <laughs> like, you've been playing Red Dead Redemption for a decade. Um, is you, like, is it going to Stockholm Syndrome you, or are you just going to be like, no, I've done with Red Dead forever. I never want to see another horse or cowboy again in my life.
1: Yeah, I think I'd go out and, and punch the first horse I saw.
0: <laughs> go the Blazing Saddles route? <laughs>
1: Exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah, that that might that might end up with a with a swift kick to the gut from the horse. <laughs>
1: well, not, a, not if you kick it from the or not if you punch it from the front.
0: That's right. Horses can't really kick forward. Yeah. yeah what a bunch of I think animals. I think
1: this needs to be a sub podcast. <laughs> is how to punch a horse.
0: How how to punch <laughs> the horse? Cast? Yeah, we could do that. We, we can figure out how to punch a horse. See i don't know that i'd actually get bored of roller coaster tycoon in, in in 10 years maybe i'd unlock all the secrets by then and i'd know everything 10 years from now and i just want to want to never see a roller coaster again but i think i, bet, I could I bet go
1: be sick of that carousel music
0: oh lord that music <laughs> see the first thing i do when i when i play the game is i like as soon as i get the bumper cars i turn off the carousel music and pump up the bumper car music,
1: oh, I forgot I, there was bumper car music was, was it yeah. like kind of techno
0: yeah, it's kind of techno ish, so that like it makes me feel like i'm like I'm partying, and if I get bored <laughs> of the bumper car music, I can go back to the carousel music, so Perfect. I can just alternate between the two forever
1: and or you could uh, just turn up the haunted house sounds
0: oh yeah, there's that too i I would definitely. I definitely like, usually I have all three going at once, and I just can't hear anything going on because you know you build every ride eventually. <laughs> but yeah, I think
3: the expansion uh, makes it so you can uh, so you can have other rides than those three have like play different types of music. Um, right, they did I that did in the sequels. Specifics.
0: Yeah, so you can play like. You could associate music with different roller coasters in the sequels, I believe, so you can have less like twenty different songs going at once in your park. oh and, my god uh, yeah it's so yeah i think I think i could I think I could live with it if I had like say this if I had roller coaster tycoon and the sequel, I think i could I could last for a long time on that island um, I mean, I might starve to death because I have no survival instincts whatsoever, but <laughs> i'd be I'd be amused for the three days i was alive um yeah so i guess uh, talking to mike would you want to to throw away uh the game you you brought with you like i said i spent like
2: three to four years playing heroes of might of magic
0: so i don't
2: see why playing it more is going to change my mind i have a i'm already stockholm syndrome to that game series to considering how many of the uh they not very good sequels I keep buying.
0: <laughs> are are they to
2: like 9 or 10 right now?
0: Where are they? Seven. 7.
2: 7. The problem is oh. 5 is an absolutely atrocious game, and while 6 and 7 are slightly better than 5, they're still a far step down from the, the glory days of 3 and 4.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've heard that's not a series thats uh, that has been consistently putting out good entries. No. <laughs> and Stoneheart, think- do you think that... Do you think that tales of magal or, or Pokemon could uh could amuse you even after ten years of playing them
3: um so i think i think in both cases i i probably put the games down for like a year or so i uh, uh, oh so uh so them, like you typically once a year uh the the put um, because it's a pretty small group uh, it's a pretty thick uh, oh, pretty small group that, like, uh, contrib- uh, contributes to making it. Uh, I, So, like, once a year, they do have, like, a big patch that, like, adds, adds a bit of content and, uh, um, and uh, just, like, re- uh, reworks some of uh, the cast balance and such. And once every couple years, if, like, uh, uh last year, they came out with, like, a DLC that added, like, a whole another uh, campaign that was a little bit shorter than the main game, but, like, so I figure if I if I put it down for like five years and then pick it back up again, and assuming that the uh, assuming that like the three or four guys behind the game are still going that like developing for it, um, yeah, yeah. why not? Yeah, uh, you can see
0: yourself picking it back up.
3: Yeah, and then uh, and then I mean, uh, Pokemon like clockwork, like uh, well, not quite clockwork, but like every three to five years they come out with. Uh, with like a uh, new generation of Pokemon that usually adds somewhere or under like 100 new Pokemon. And, so you know, put it down for a long time and then, then eventually pick it back up when there's new stuff.
0: How many Pokemon are there right now? Like when I was a kid, there were 151.
3: Now there are how many? 100 and uh, I am actually embarrassed. I don't know the actual number off the top of my head. Wow.
0: Oh, we'll just put on the link dump. But it's over right now. <laughs> oh, no. Okay.
1: Oh my god.
0: Yeah. I I I uh, sort of envy the people who've been able to memorize all that because I knew all 151 when I was a kid, but if you asked me to name anything beyond that, I'd just be like, "No." I know there's I know there's a cow named Tank. That's about all I know about Pokémon beyond.
1: Oh, are you kidding?
0: The first hundred and fifty. Yeah, a cow named Miltank.
1: Um, oh,
0: I wish I were making that up. And it's just like it emphasizes the udders. So I guess even the male cows have udders in um, uh, uh,
3: She's uh she's only female. She's only uh, female. Yeah, does she have a male counterpart?
0: Uh, how does uh, well, she make the, more does she mate with a Tauros? Like how does this work? Yeah,
3: yeah. So so Tauros <laughs> is only male. Um, okay they only they didn't add they didn't add different genders uh, until the golden silver which is what added milk take uh, basically toros is only male Miltake is only female and uh when it comes to Pokemon breeding it's uh it's always the female that are we have a few exceptions it's, it's always the female that uh, uh, that determines the species of the egg uh, and so to get, to get like a toros to come out of an egg, you have to use a Ditto, I believe.
0: That's Wait, so a toros has to, a Tauros has to bang a Ditto?
3: Apparently.
0: <laughs> but Pokemon is weird. Um, I think we going to need some diagrams here before this podcast is done. <laughs> uh, tell is telling me eight hundred and two Pokemon. Okay. Uh, I think that's that's a good note at which to end this podcast. <laughs> uh, oh,
1: good! Ending it on on Pokemon screwing. Yeah, ending
0: ending on Pokemon sex. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's where every podcast <laughs> of ours inevitably ends up. Um, so I just like to say, if you'd like to keep up to date with the podcast, we actually have a website, gamescast.wordpress.com, and there we post each episode along with the famous link dump that fact checks the stuff we say on this podcast because we lie a lot mostly by accident um we don't mean to mislead you dear listeners but sometimes we do because we're not as smart as we pretend we are um (laughs) you can also subscribe to us on itunes and now we're also on google play music so you can just search for avocado games cast and subscribe to us and Download our episodes and listen to us on your commute. If you need to listen to a bunch of idiots talk about video games on your commute, all right. Like uh, any clo- like
1: Hideo. Wait.
0: Like you do. Like you do. I thought you were saying like Hideo. <laughs> like Hideo uh, Kojima would listen to us. Uh, it's I gonna think be... Hideo
1: Kojima would listen to us.
0: I mean, he's he's a weird guy. I don't know if he's weird enough to handle us. <laughs> <laughs> um so any closing thoughts on desert islands or other games you'd like to play make sure you have a lot of coconuts on them yep make sure you bring them coconuts yeah i i i'm actually like debating do i go out and get coconut milk now i don't know (laughs) anyway thank you all for for joining me on the podcast and uh We'll see you dear listeners uh next time. Bye-bye now. Bye everybody. Oh, bye. bye now. Bye. <laughs>